It's race day at Sam Houston Race Park. It's a pretty horse. But before the horses head to the starting gate, who are eight minutes away, they'll be out to the track here momentarily. Or a single bet is placed. Five on five to win. Things get going bright and early at the track. On three now. One, two, three. It's been another week in racing. It's time to recap it. And who better to do it than Michael New Magic? Two bros slash pros who cover the highs and lows of racing around the globe on every one of their shows. Real fans look forward to these guys and their last thoughts because they know they're not talking out of their royal ascot. What they say makes sense. So ladies and gents, sit back and relax as Blinkers Off presents the Magic Mike Show. Where you hear the Experts speak the Magic Mike Show. Tune into the show every week. The Magic Mike Show. You can trust the show is the bomb because it's being brought to you by RacingDudes.com. What's up, everybody? I'm Magic, and I'm Mike, and this is the Magic Mike Show, episode 341. Mr. Samich. Huzzah! Oh boy, we're going to Sam Houston. I think Sam Houston's happening live right now. How are you doing? I'm doing good, man. Not not like the this two to five shot, which is having to really work to get the job done. But uh, he is going to be a length winner. But it, it looked a little funky around the turn there. I'm not going to lie. Uh, I am excited. Sam Houston, uh, late pick four Saturday is what we're going to be previewing. We're also literally in the middle of the Sam Houston uh, uh, sequence that's going on. Did they just have this first race go off, second race? What was that, Mike? Just had the first race go off. Um, they've got two $75,000 stakes that are the first two races. They're probably going to be pretty darn chalky. Um, and then it goes, it gets very, very interesting after that. A lot of fun after that. The late half of the card's a lot of fun. Um, pick five, the late pick five is going to probably pay something nice. Pick six is a good ticket. And then the pick four is awesome as well. It's all for 12% takeout as well. Just uh, it's like the late pick four we're going to cover here for Saturday from, uh, from Sam Houston. I'm excited, and it's a really fun sequence, and I forget who was the first one to suggest it on our Monday show, but thank you, because it's going to be a good one. Uh, two races on turf, both with really nice fields, and then the dirt races are going to get a little funky as well. Um, I actually only used, initially, my first pass, I only used one favorite. I ended up using two, um, and I'm still not that happy about it, but it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm excited about it. It's going to be kind of a wild show. We're going to be talking about Sam Houston live, intermixed with Sam Houston Saturday, so uh, lots of fun, but thank you, everybody, for joining us in the chat. Good to see everybody here. Mike, what's the best thing that you saw since Monday? Oh, man, I've been going back and forth. I got to go to NHC next weekend. I'm excited to get to Vegas. I cannot wait to uh, to get out there. I mean, my, my parents were able to watch Lily, which is great. So my wife and I are going, and we're going to have an absolute blast there. Looking forward to see Dr. Tang out there. He's going to be joining us. Um, it, it's going to be a lot of fun, man. I just can't wait to get out to, to Vegas and NHC. It's one of those things that it feels like it was just out there because it was in August. But uh, it's, it's going to be great to be able to get back out there again, man. It's, it's a blast to be in that room with everybody and looking forward to it and happy it's happening with everything going on. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm sad I'm not going to be there, but uh, stay home with the little one. Probably next year. Uh, but this means that you're probably not going to win because your hype man's not there. No, I'll be, I, I'll be your hype man from here again. I have, I have never not cashed when you're there. So if I don't cash, I blame you. That's true. Hey, listen, that just means uh, that means I think I hold all the bargaining chips at that point. I'm like, okay, I'm coming, but I want, <laughs> I want a suite. Uh, I, want, I want first class Southwest tickets. Uh, <laughs> well, you know what? I've never not cashed with my wife there either. So if I cash this year, you, you might be on the outs, man. <laughs> That's true. Actually, if you cash this year, yeah, I'm definitely on the outs. And honestly, you should uh, make her the, the good luck charm. Best thing I saw, I'm actually holding two of them on my desk. Uh, we did a grocery run last night. And uh, I've been trying to like, I slowly got back into beers. I was out of beer for a while, big into bourbon. And I'm like, I slowly worked back into some beers. And uh, I got into Labatt Blue again, which sponsors Detroit Red Wings. So every time I listen to a Red Wings podcast or a game, I hear Labatt Blue. We talked about it. Commercials work. Uh, uh, <laughs> this time I was like, I'm going to find something that's a little different. A little, uh, I've had this beer before. 
Look at how look at how cute this little bottle of Miller High Life is. It's a little six ounce Man. bottle. I can have two of them during the show, and I'm going to feel like a badass because, hey, I drank two bottles of beer on the show, and really it's, it's Miller High Life, 12 ounces total. Like, you know, that, that, that couldn't even put down my dogs right now. You know what that reminds me of? One of, my, one of my favorites from college and when I was, you know, a borderline drunk in my early 20s, I used to love Mickey's. Did you ever do Mickey's? Little... I've never had a Mickey's. No, oh, man, you need it. The little hand grenades, they're so good, yeah. man. They're actually not good. They're, it's a malt liquor, and it's terrible. But we used to love Mickey's. We would always have those. We'd slam them before we went anywhere. It was, uh, it was trouble and all, a lot of fun all at the same time. Oh God, that tastes like fishing. Um, I, I had a couple years where we had a tastes like fishing. I had a speedboat. There's a reason why. I had a, had a little speedboat. I had a little four seater uh, speedboat that uh, on a local lake that we'd go launch it with my best friend, and we'd bring like a thirty pack of High Life and a couple of cigars, and we'd go out there Tuesday afternoon for like five hours and just plop in the middle of the lake, and we'd pretend to fish. We'd have fishing poles out. We'd have lines out in the water, and we would just go slowly through a thirty pack of Miller High Life and then go back to shore when the when the beer was gone. So. Yeah, it tastes like fishing. It's a good memory for me. Uh, you, if you're not drinking and fishing at the same, if you're not drinking when you are fishing, I'm not really sure why you're fishing. I'm, I mean, I love fishing as much as the next person, but it's kind of one of those things that just goes hands in hand, hand in hand for me. <laughs> High life is really terrible. Listen, there's a special kind of skunkiness to it that really just it lingers. <laughs> it lingers on the tongue, and and you can't quite really kick it. That's why it tastes like fishing. Same thing. The smell of fish, you can't really quite kick it. But uh, on just that like, no. My, just like Ice House, man. Ice House is that same oh. style of beer where it just lingers there and you know what it is and it's disgusting, but it tastes so good. You know, on a hot day, there's a lot worse things you'd have than Ice House. Or Miller Highlight. <laughs> Listen, there's a lot worse podcasts. You've been listening to The Magic Mike Show. Let's make sure that continues here, Mike. We'll talk about Saturday's Late Pick 4 sequence at Sam Houston. Right is up. Ice House still exists. Come on. <laughs> Forgot about that. Um, I did want to mention quick before we get into it that I uh, found out this morning from Nick Tamro, who is the track announcer now at Sam Houston. Uh, his father passed away this morning. He announced that he uh, lost his bell cancer. So we just wanted to send Nick our, our good thoughts and, uh, and warm wishes that uh, it's never an easy thing, but uh, it sounded like he got to spend some good time with his dad in the last days. And his dad, it turns out, introduced him to horse racing when he was six, and that was 31 years ago. So Nick not only dated himself in that, but gave a nice story as well. So uh, <laughs> thoughts go out to him. Is he call? I haven't been able to listen. Is he calling races today? Um, I actually didn't listen to the first race. I just watched the replay. Yeah, it's, it's our condolences, obviously. I got into this because of my dad, so I can understand that aspect of it, although I'm fortunate enough to have both my parents with me, so I can't imagine what uh, what he's going through, but all the best, and uh, yeah. Well, we'll move on. Hopefully, we can uh, get some winners in his dad's name here. We'll start with race six at Sam Houston Park on Saturday, January 22nd. A six furlong dirt sprint for six fillies and mares, four and up, a non-winners of two lifetime allowance level. Favoritism is on number two, Flash Magic, and this is a horse that I've loved for a long time, Mike. She is a younger half-sister to Good Magic, one of my favorite horses ever. However, I think he took all the family genes because even though she's six to five here, she really does not like to win. I mean, when Bob Baffert has three starts and says you're not good enough, you're probably not good enough, and that's why she ends up here uh, for Steve Asmussen. Did you put her on top? 
No, no, this is one of those classic, like we talked about this in the, the Sam Houston hype video. You got to fade Asmussen sometimes. Uh, this is one of those Asmussen's I think you kind of have to fade. Like you mentioned, this horse doesn't like to win. One for nine with five second places. And a lot of this, you know, as the favorite, right? I mean, this horse has gone off sub-even money twice, gone off as a dollar favorite once, a dollar ten favorite a second time, never gone off more than five to one. And yet we are one for nine at this point in our career. Yeah, you faced a lot better all over the place. Yes, there might be a slight pace advantage. But at some point, you just kind of have to take stands against this horse, these type of horses. And like you look back, the best buyer we've ever had is at Churchill Downs going six and a half. And that was to break the maiden all the way back in June of 2021. That beat the Baffert numbers. But that's, adds, well, even though it's the best buyer in this field, it's not like head and shoulders above some of these other horses. And so... This horse is going to go off at two to five. That's the other problem here. Six yep. to five is a pipe dream. And so if you want to play this horse at two to five and a horse is going to be heavily singled in both the pick fours and pick fives, you have to have like a 90% expectancy win rate on this two horse to actually make money because he's going to be bet like a one to nine shot in the pick fours and the pick fives. This is the single. And because of that, I'm not going to use the horse. I think this is a good horse to go against. I, I don't think this is necessarily even the best horse in the race. Um, so I, I think you got a better chance at the one horse fashion rage getting home here. I'm going to single the one on the inside so I can spread elsewhere on my ticket and also try and get around this two horse. I really like the race two back at Sam Houston. I like the fact that this horse took a nice step forward, go first time out to second time out, uh, was favored third time out and just kind of didn't kick. But that was at a mile at Lone Star, which is a two turn race. We're cutting back to one turn again, which is what I think this horse wants. I've talked about how I like using Brett Calhoun at this track. We're getting this horse in here for Brett Calhoun. The biggest concern I have is we're not going to be, is Flash Magic might get loose. That, that's the one thing I'm a little worried about. Um, I'm hoping that we can we can kind of stay to the hip or the inside hip of Flash Magic, essentially, and be able to get the job done. You may get some pace pressure from the horse all the way on the outside, but unfortunately, that's another Asmussen. So probably not, right? So yeah. I'm not sure where the pressure comes from on the two. That's my biggest concern. But I think I'm going to get close to two to one on the one horse, who I think may be the better horse anyway. I'm with you. I, this was my top pick, and I almost singled her like you did. If I was doing a press ticket, like you're doing a five dollar ticket, um, I would definitely uh, would definitely do that. And like Aaron says, Fashion Rage is the better horse, anyways. Yeah, Flash Magic is the horse that you like. If this is a claiming race, I would. First of all, you'd never be able to claim her because she's Good Magic's half sister. But this is a horse that you'd love to own when you're thinking long term. Stone Street Stables owned and bred. They're thinking long term. Let's just have some fun with her for now. Um, she runs, I mean, if you want to play her underneath in an exacta, sure. I mean, that's a great spot to play her. Don't play her to win. Uh, you made all great points about Fashion Rage, so I won't repeat any of them. I will just say the other horse I used is the three Patricia L. And this is a long shot, but I'm getting 12 to 1. Let me make the case for you. First of all, from a breeding perspective, dirt sprinting, this is the best bred horse in the field. By Shanghai Bobby, out of a Spitestown mare. The mare and the old one older sib to race both were one-turn winners, so... Pure speed here going one turn. I'm really curious to see how Frank Lucarelli does. So far, he's had a good start to the meet. Four of his six horses have, uh, four of his six starters have hit the board. He's got a win, two seconds, and a third. He's a Northwest Circuit guy. You see his horse was running Emerald Downs. He runs at Golden Gates a lot of times, the Fair Circuit in Northern California. Came to Sam Houston last year for the first time with Jonathan Wong, and they both had pretty good success. Uh, Luke Relly ended up hitting the board 29 of 60 starters last year, got eight wins. The average winner, the off odds were a little over five to one, and one of them was at double digits. So you're seeing 12 to one. The horse kind of deserves it based off of the buyer speed figures here. But there's been one time this horse was properly placed, and that was dirt sprinting against Maidens when she broke her Maiden on debut. Then she goes dirt sprinting on fast dirt against Stakes Company. It doesn't work. Then she gets stuck in the slop at the right class level. It doesn't work. And then she tries fast dirt again, but again, it's the Stakes level. It doesn't work. There are a lot of reasons why this horse probably won't get the job done, but if she ever took a step forward, 
from that maiden win on debut and had gotten the right setup and brought along what I think should have been the right way for her, I feel like this is a horse that at four years old now, first time at this age, she could be sneaky developing. Again, huge if, but I'm getting 12 to 1. I think it's worth it, especially with a trainer that I think is going to be really sneaky this meet. You know, I actually agree with you. Um, and I, one of the things I want to mention, too, with Frank Lucarelli, so Emerald Down specifically has kind of a funky schedule. They don't run all that much. They run a couple, they have 52 race days a year. And those 52, so trainers you often will see from Emerald Downs be very good off the layoff because they have a small sample size of races and these horses will stay at Emerald Downs. They won't ship all over the place. So Frank Lucarelli is one of those guys who's very good off the layoff, which is what this horse is coming off of, as well as very good off the claim um, because of what you've seen up there at Emerald Downs. So I think that the three horse has a chance to take a huge step forward. It would be required to be able to compete here. I actually picked this horse for third, so I was one, two, three. Um, I, I wouldn't be shocked if the three horse runs a big race here. And that was the thing, too. I was trying to, like, let's say that there's fashion rage. Maybe she doesn't come back off the layoff and, you know, fully cranked for a six for a long sprint here. I was trying to find another horse to use, and I definitely don't want to use Flash Magic. Price or not, I don't want to use her there. Uh, let's move on to the second leg, the late pick four sequence. We're going to the turf for race seven. Got a really nice field in here. Uh, Ten older males in for a 25K claiming tag. Non-winners of two lifetime. Carl Broberg trains the favorite, uh, eight to five favorite. Number six, more like it. He's one for 20 lifetime, but hey, that one win came on the grass, so maybe we go two for 21 here. Uh, Broberg is one of the top trainers on the circuit, if you don't know. But he's still, he's 20%. That means he loses four out of every five starters. You've got to find, just like you talked about last race, Mike, with the Aspusons to fade, you've got to find the right Brobergs to fade. I'm going to fade this one, but did you do the same? No, I, uh, I use this as a must use. This is my second pick. I actually like a different horse on top, but I, I don't think this is a good fade here. I think this horse is set up to run really well. There's some, some speed in here, which I think should set up the six more like it pretty well. Um, I, I think the races he's coming out of are just wildly more difficult um, than what he's facing here. Horse clearly wants to be sprinting. So I think we're getting back to the right distance versus that mile and the 16th we ran last time. Uh, so I, I do think you're gonna get a pretty good effort here from more like it. However, um, I am going to go to the four horse. Agent Peter Graves is my top pick. Look, we talked about Scott Young and Floyd Weffy Jr. when we did that hype video again. When Weffy gets aboard, I look a long time at these Scott Young horses. He's aboard for this horse. And the other thing I love about this is that you have a speed and fade versus better going longer, cutting back to a sprint distance. And Weffy has had this horse before. The first two races of the career were with Weffy. Big effort on the turf third time out. Sprinted him the first two times. Now we're combining the turf and the sprint. If we can replicate pretty much any of those turf races, I think he could be very good at five furlongs. I think he could be like sneaky tactical. I don't think the horse necessarily needs the lead at five furlongs. I think he could sit in that second or third spot, get first run, and you want to be forwardly placed over the Sam Houston turf course. How many horses has Agent Peter Graves passed in his career? <laughs> and you want to uh, tell me he doesn't need to be forwardly placed? He's passed no. zero horses is the answer. He, and you want to, and then two, first two starts, he was sprinting. So don't tell me we're going route now. It's going to change him when he's sprinting. That, I think this is a setup. I think this is just a prep race for this horse to try and get into something a little different, maybe a starter allowance race. I, I hate this horse sprinting. If we're, going, if we're in the last race, two turns, I would use this horse sprinting. No, thanks. Who's your top pick? Top pick. Hang on. Where'd it go? Number five, just the outside. Jack's, Jackman's ride. Perfect. I didn't use the horse. Let's uh, let's do the beer bet. Let's go. Better finish. The, the beer bet. Four versus five. 
They're both speed balls. That's the problem. It's like, oh, don't don't back off this now. I hate this horse sprinting. He's never passed a horse. Blibbly blabbly blue. The five is passed a horse. Second start was second early, and then uh, ended up passing somebody. Come on, you doing it or not? You in or out? No, I'm not doing it. Oh, I told you a long you, time you ago. Talk, I'm done doing it. You that. talk shit about my four. Tell me your pop pick is the five, who's a better price, and you won't even do it. I need you to have two more of those before the show so I can get you into these. <laughs> uh, let's talk about Jackman's Ride real quick. This is a, a speed ball, kind of like the four horse. It looks like it needs to be the lead type. Um, did I mentioned that race, the second career start, did pass one horse. This is pretty much a need the lead type. Um, I like the fact that uh, the trainer, Kari Craddock, is 26% with a positive ROI after similar layoffs. We haven't seen this horse since November. And it's taking a class drop to claiming for the first time after facing all allowance and protected maidens. We are getting a class job. McLean's music is 13% with turf sprinters when the average is 11%. The big concern is can this horse handle turf? I don't know, but I think this horse will be the leader, if not uh, sharing the lead with maybe the four horse there. Um, but So I'm going to use him, but I really think this is a sneaky spot for this horse if he can take to the turf. Yeah, I don't disagree with you. And McLean's music generally are, are good on the turf, so I don't think the turf should be a huge issue. Uh, you mentioned the class drop. The four is taking a bigger class drop than the five here. Let's just be honest. Coming out of $75,000 open optional claimers uh, versus, you know, those Remington Park 35 mm -hmm. non-winners of one race. And Arlington before that, yep. Yeah, so like, so we're, the four is taking the bigger class drop and has never been in for a tag either. So all your arguments for the five are, are relevant to the four um i i would i look i looked at this horse and i i just decided i don't think this horse can go wire to wire against this field and i don't think this horse has any chance of coming from off the pace because all we have seen this horse do is sprint right and so i i think he's gonna just go 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 and if he's not good enough to go and make the lead i don't think he can win the race i think the four is going to be trouble for him because i do think the four is going to be competitive up toward the lead there's a couple other horses in here that are going to be forwardly placed i just don't think he can take this field wire to wire it's why i left the five off um, it's interesting though, because if I was playing like supers tries, I may have that five in the third or fourth spot. Cause I do think he's going to show, but just not be able to make it to the wire first. Um, let's talk about a horse that we both like here. There is a coupled entry here with the one American nightmare and the one a he's a bomb. Uh, they have different jockeys names. So I'm going to assume, yeah, I saw the comments. Um, I'm going <laughs> to assume that they, uh, they're going to both run in here. It's interesting because American nightmare is with Ronnie Cravens. He's a bomb was with Ronnie Cravens comes into this race where Cravens has a horse with the same coupled entry, but he's with a different trainer. I use both. I know that you specifically put the 1A, and that is my preference as well over the 1. But I think at 12 to 1, we're getting two sons of grandsons of Warfront sprinting on turf. Why not? Yeah, I mean, the 1 seems like a need to lead to me, and that's why the 1 wasn't of the interest. But the 1A... I think you can kind of make a case for this horse when you go back to just the turf sprint races as running mid 60s buyers, being pretty competitive at this level or higher levels. Uh, turf sprinting actually broke its maiden at Lone Star, turf sprinting in a 40K open maiden special weight. So I think the 1A you can make a case for there at 12 to 1. And that's really what I tried to do after the first two horses that I took, and obviously playing the favorite and then a 6 to 1, which is a little bit of a price. I kind of went price hunting here. And so the, the horse that was third in for me is a seven horse, Sir BB, who I think is. Super interesting in this spot. Now, uh, the fact that this is the trainer-jockey combo, not super excited about that. I'll be honest. But I'm going to point back to the only time they were actually able to get this horse onto turf to turf sprint. If you go back four, horse goes five furlongs over a firm Remington Park turf. It's the only time the horse is turf sprinted. This horse ran a 68 buyer, second career best buyer, was able to come from off the pace. I, Look, that race had a fast early pace. I think that's what you're going to get here as well. I think the pace is going to set up for a horse off the pace. And this horse has shown talent. And this horse has steadily progressed and gotten better and better sans that last effort. 
So I'm going to hope that second off the layoff, this horse can kind of get back to that turf sprinting. I know we were in a different trainer then, but if you look back to the races prior to that, it was with this current trainer and this current trainer was getting similar numbers for the age set. So I think that that is a legit number. Only one time on turf. I'm going to take a shot here at 15 to one. I think we'd probably get 25 to one on race day, maybe even 30 to one. And so I'm willing to take a swing with the seven, Sir BB. I had no idea that the jockey trainer is the same person here. Domingo Chocolatana. What? Do you think, do do you think there are two Domingo Chocolatanas at, at Sam Houston? <laughs> I didn't see the Chocolatana um, as the trainer, honestly. I, th- I saw it as the owner, the crosser or, or whatever. Yeah, the Gwendolyn crosser. I saw that as the trainer for some reason. Holy smokes. Well, at least yeah. you can't blame anybody but yourself for, uh, for being Ridden him 16 times, too. He's one, never actually, stopped riding him. One for 39. Yep. And the one win was with this horse. Yep. <laughs> So and it I was guess. it was in a 50,000 50, I made in special weight, 49,000 I made in special weight as well. It's not like this horse was won a, a bad race either. So like, I believe you can get a huge overlay here on this spot with a horse that can come off the pace and, and maybe good on turf. I mean, shit. Go for, I'm still fascinated by the fact that this, this <laughs> they're twins my, magic with the same hey, name. all right, we're <laughs> one in, Mike. This is yeah. what happens when we're one in. By the way, nobody called me out for it. I was hoping I was obvious about it. These are twist off, and I was using a bottle opener on the first one. I was hoping somebody would call me out. But, yeah, um, no one drinks the high life, so no one No one knew the difference either way. <laughs> no. I love it. I, I'll be the one living the high life. That's fine in California. Um, number eight, No Mo Hooch is another horse I used. I went, well, three entry deep. I went four deep if you count the horses, but three deep here. Uh, Nomo Hooch at 12 to one. We haven't seen him since uh, November, but horses one for 19 lifetime, but he is one for four on Sam Houston's grass and has two seconds. So really three good efforts from four tries on Sam Houston's uh, grass here. Stewart, the trainer, is two for nine off of similar layoffs. He's 16% at the claiming level, but it really caught my attention. Lane Luzzi's riding this horse. Why is Lane Lizzie riding this horse? He never rides for this barn. He's a really talented rider, one of the best on the circuit. Why is he here? Uh, the horse's five furlong turf sprint record, just one win, but again, six for 14 on the board. Speed figures, yeah, they're pretty bad. We've been facing a lot worse than this, but 12, to, again, Mike, 12 to one. You can't, yeah. you can't be mad at me for If this is a four to one horse, or five, maybe, but 12 to one, you can't get mad at me. I mean, the four, the four versus this horse is wildly different. Saying, saying this horse is double as likely to be to win the race, or du- double as unlikely to win the race to the four is wildly incorrect. The four is, is maybe 10 times more likely than this horse to win. It's a terrible pick, Magic. It's a terrible pick. The eight horse needs the lead. And you've already taken a horse to its inside that needs the lead. And my horse is faster than both of them. So, what, like, how are we ending up on this horse? <laughs> I'm having a lot of fun in the chat here. Uh, <laughs> this is my I, favorite one. Magic, what did you steal that from a homeless guy? <laughs> uh, Jared, I like the five in the second race. I think we're getting five to two right now. I think this is a bad uh, favorite on the four horses, four to five. Oh, weird. That wasn't showing up. All I saw was Aaron's asshole comment. Aaron says, wait for Will Rogers to play uh, yeah. Nomo Hooch. Listen, that could very well be true. Oklahoma bred, but. Uh, that is, uh, that's incorrect because Will Rogers doesn't have a turf course. Oh, why would you? So how is, how is Nomo Hooch going to win? God. It's the Oakland. It's the Oakland of Oklahoma. That's what Will Rogers is. <laughs> Come on. Aaron. Okay, I used one more. So oh, before I'm sorry. we, yes, we, you we did. I'm so keep, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, we get get through my horses. Avoid the shenanigans. Uh, I'm going to go to another horse who's only tried turf once. Uh, I, I've talked about Ma- Martin Villafranco. Um, he's one of those trainers that I'm interested in, especially first or second off, uh, first or second out. This horse actually already run at Sam Houston. Went six furlongs on January sixth. I believe that was opening night. Uh, ends up running second at six to one. Um, I'm willing to give this shot a try on the turf. Empire Way, Indian Charlie Mare, Tomlinson numbers is decent on the turf for turf sprinting. That last race, if we take any type of step forward off it, 
and we take the turf, this horse is right there at eight to one. Um, so for me, the three is also interesting at a price. Uh, uh, Martin Caldwell, it, sorry, it, Mark Villafranco is Freddie Villafranco, the high percentage win trainer. Um, it's his son, and uh, Danny Caldwell used Freddie a lot, especially like Remington, Oaklawn. Uh, and Martin's been off to just one for 13, but the five seconds caught my attention. I didn't use this horse, but I did use a Marty Villafranco horse a little bit that we're going to talk about in just a second. But I, I don't hate you for this use because I think Villafranco's uh, learned a lot from his father, and I think that's going to pay off. And I, one of these horses is gonna, definitely going to win. Yeah. That's all you got. All right, let's move on to the third leg of the late big four sequence of Sam Houston uh, on Saturday, January 20th. Race eight, back on the dirt. We have nine uh, Texas-bred fillies and mares, four and up, sprinting six furlongs. Nine winners, one other than allowance event. And hey, look, favorite, Marty Villafranco, the four horse. Take charge woman at eight to five. Uh, she nearly won at this level last time out. She returns. It's just 15 days later, but I don't think Villafranco would run her back that quick unless he's like, oh, she could probably handle it. Did you put her on top? I did not. Um, I did end up using her. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go three deep in this spot. Uh, but man, it is, this is an interesting one because you have two horses who were right around the same, or two races that were at the same level on that January 7th night at Sam Houston, one in the seventh, one in the eighth. Um, and you'll notice how different the the numbers came back. I mean, if, if you look at the, just the buyer figure, the, the time even for the four horse, take charge woman, 113 and four for that race. If you look at the other horses that are in here, so that night, the race directly before it, you had Bebop Baby, Miss Cameron, you had, uh, that's a lot of bling. Um, and I believe one other horse too. Uh, yeah, and Silver Coin, all coming out of the race right after it, uh, right right after it, yeah, and they ran, what was it, one fifteen flat. So a second and a fifth faster out of that race. The four horse, I think, is definitely the horse you want to use that's willing back quickly, but I'm, I'm interested in a couple others in here too. I think the eight on the outside for Danny Pish is one that you got to look at. Uh, Stone Fox, I, this was one where he ran very, very well at the end of the Remington meet. We're coming off the layoff here. First start as a four-year-old. That horse was claimed off Askerson. Before that was in a bunch of uh, state-bred non-winners of one allowances. So this is a nice spot for this horse to come back to. I, I look at the class behind, after or before that that uh, claiming race, not the class of that claiming race. And if Pish can get this horse to take any type of step forward, watch out. He's 22% off the claim. Generally, horses who go to his barn take a nice step forward. Yeah, this is my top pick. So you and I are actually in full agreement, the three horses we're using here, and we agree on our top pick as well. Um, I like the fact this horse on fast dirt, which we should get fast dirt for the uh, for Saturday's card, uh, two for four wins and then uh, two-thirds as well, so never off the board. Uh, but, yeah, the, uh, the horse dropping down to the 7,500 claiming level, first of all, they paid eighteen thousand dollars for the horse, and they made thirty-nine thousand, or just a little bit before that. So they're not worried about the money. It wasn't like a huge just dump here. They really felt like this horse wasn't winning at the Texas spread level, and they kind of like let's just dump her off if somebody wants her. Otherwise, she qualifies for a starter allowance. Well, Danny Pish picks her up, and as you said, Mike, twenty-two percent first off the claim. So I love using this horse on top. I used the other Pish, as did you, the number two Cosmetology, twenty to one, much better price than five to two. The figure's not that great, but uh, here's why I like this horse. This horse is going to be racing for the first time at four years old. Her dam was a rock-solid runner at, like, the lower ranks at age four. At age three, not that great. At age five, not that great. But four was when she was solid. Her sire, Braidster, was one who got better as he got older. He actually raced through his six-year-old year, won the Stephen Foster Stakes. There's a lot of development that's gone on. We haven't seen this horse in 11 months. So we pretty much haven't seen her since she was a freshly turned three-year-old. Now she's freshly turned four. Danny Pish wouldn't put two in here unless he thought that this one could run as well. 
Yeah, I agree. You look at those last, like the last three races has been in stakes company. Two of those are restricted stakes. One of those is like the one that, that ran tonight. Star of the North run both those races. Wink Texas run second in both those races. Those are two very good horses and tough to beat. So I'm not as worried about that. You have Sorensen on the eight horse, which is why I lean to the eight over the two. But I agree with you. If we have both of these in here and, and you're, you have the eight Stone Fox in this spot, the fact that you have the two horse cosmetology in here makes me want to use it as well. So I'm going to end up three deep here with the two, the four, and the eight. Uh, Jared asks in race eight, I'm assuming he's here. He means this one is, is the nine horse can, uh, worth the play. No, that must not be right. He must be talking about what's happening live right now. There's no nine horse, right? Am I crazy? Uh, no, you're not crazy. There was a nine race seven who I'm not interested in. I don't think uh, you are either. Jared, uh, Jared, let us know. Let us know in the chat if you, uh, if you like it. Uh, Dennis says he thinks the four is a single that's ballsy, but I think, I don't know if there was one single in this sequence, but no, you're using, I'm agree. I agree with you, Mike, your singles in the first um, single here feels a little risky. She feels like a need the lead type a little bit. I, I think she's going to be way over bet. That's why I would mm. try and avoid singling here. I, I this is to me, if, especially if you're singling the two in the first leg, then it, it kind of makes this, this leg a little interesting. I mean, I, I just think the four is going to take a ton of money because of that effort. I don't love the wheel back. I mean, I, there's, to me, there's enough that if you don't love her, it's tough to single her here. Yeah, I miss the days when Aaron was just would miss our shows because he was off doing something. <laughs> We're going to go 248 in this leg. Let's move on to the fourth and final leg of the late pick four sequence at Sam Houston on Saturday, January 22nd. Race nine back on the turf, Mike, for maidens, older maidens, ages four or five, uh, ten of them here. You've got the five to two favorite on the rail, Gold Bear. Nearly got the job done at this trip last time out at Remington, but that was against maiden 25K claimers. So now he's a $225,000 purchase price. Freshly gelded, debuts at age four here. Is he your top pick? Nope. Chuck him out. This is one of those, this is an Asmussen where, like, look, this horse probably has about equal chance of winning as the horses I'm about to talk about, but you're going to get a significantly worse price on the horse. The last two times this horse has been sub two to one and failed to win. The horse loves to run second, loves to run third, loves to be around the lead, but just doesn't want to be in front. That is not the type of horse that I'm looking to play, especially to short price, especially when it's Asmussen, especially when it's on turf. So, uh, yeah, let's go a different direction. I'm going to put the four on top here. I think Tiz Life makes the lead and doesn't look back in this spot. Um, this horse was running in Maiden's Claimers, $75,000 on Maiden Claimers at Churchill, uh, $30,000, $16,000 on Maiden Claimers at Ellis. That is a higher level than what he is facing today. That is just like a drop in class from that perspective. And you could see that because he, when he runs at Remington Park in a Maiden Special Weight 33, runs well, ends up running second, actually runs his best career life. We're now getting second off the layoff. This is a son of American Pharaoh. I, with the, I believe American Pharaohs are better on turf than dirt. I like that. This is also the fastest horse in the field. That 105 early time form rating means that this horse should get a lead on the turf course, which plays toward horses who have the lead. I think that there's a lot to like here about his life at 9-2. to two. I did use the four. Um, was the third horse. I went three deep. Or sorry, four deep, and this is the third horse for me. I was a little worried that this horse might not get an easy lead because I know the six uh, has got a 106 time form rating that's pretty good as well. So is the six going to kind of screw with the four? We've had this actually a saying that you've uh, had before, Mike, that if it's a two-horse pace duel, that's fine. If it's a three-horse pace duel, chuck all three of them. So uh, here it looks like it's just going to be the two of them battling for it. Uh, my top pick is actually going to be the, just to the outside, the five of the moment. Uh, first off, a very well-bred colt, uh, a grandson of Medaglia Doro. Likes the turf here, uh, is taking a circuit drop, was competing at Ellis Park. The Ellis Park turf runners were doing very well at Kentucky Downs. Uh, also was racing at Oaklawn and Churchill. The trainer's 0 for 35 on turf. That's really bad. It's just 6 for 135 in 2021. It's not that great. But this horse, this trainer, has hit the board with two of his three starters so far this meet. 
so basically what I'm taking away is I think even Todd Pletcher has bad days, right? Like we'll just we're just gonna chuck that up to here. Brian Williams in a bad year. We're gonna move on. I like that this horse has got the strong speed figures and also isn't afraid to pass horses. So this horse has been passing other ones, and I feel like this is a lesser competition, easier to pass. That's why I went with the five on top. I, I don't disagree with you. I have the five and second here. Um, I, I think that that horse makes a ton of sense in this spot. I, I like the fact that I do agree that those are both tougher races we're coming out of. And I think it makes a ton of sense in this spot. It's just whether or not the horse is going to be able to fire, not worried about the trainer as much. I agree with you. Um, yeah, I'd love more than 4% win percentage, but it does seem like the horses that are coming here are a little bit liver than what we'd expect. Uh, let's see. Let's talk about the nine horse. This is one you and I use hard candy. Uh, first of all, holy breeding, a candy ride out of an fleet Alex mare. I think the fact that this is first time routing on turf, first of all, is worrisome, but I think this is going to be a great spot. His highest figure to date, you know, five career starts came on the turf. It was sprinting, but that means I think this horse now he's stretching out is going to sit closer to the pace, probably just behind the four and the six. I also like that Roy Garza, I looked into him a lot because I didn't recognize him. I saw he had just two starters last year. And it was the two starts this horse had. This is the only horse in training that he has right now. In 2020, he had eight starts with just three different horses. And the same thing in 2019. And two of the horses translated over both of those. But he still is two for 19 lifetime. He's hit the board six of 19 uh, with his runners. And he's earned almost $63,000. So the guy's good. He just very small sample size. So uh, I think the horse is bred for this. I like the fact that Asmussen was trusted with him once before. So somebody thought he had some talent. Uh, so I'm going to use him here. Yeah, I mean, this is probably a Peter Blum horse because it, it was it wasn't sold, so it must have been a Peter Blum homebred, and, and then goes over to this barn, and, and those are some great stats. I had no idea about um, about him, so that's that's very interesting to know, learn about the trainer. It makes me feel a little bit better about using this horse. I, I agree, the breeding seems to be like a great breed breed. It seems like great breeding here for this horse to get to the turf and to like the mile distance as well. I love the fact that Diego picks up the mount. He's a twenty five percent jockey so far this meet, but eleven percent and consistently above or in that ten to fifteen percent range. Too. So you get a solid jockey for a small barn, for a horse that's well-bred, uh, that was with Asterson at one point, that should go take to the turf, should enjoy the mile distance. You're getting eight to one. I, I think all systems go here on the nine hard candy. Uh, did we hit any, any – you take it over because I yeah. feel like there's – you've got – you like the ten horse. Tell me about the ten horse here. Yeah, I threw the ten in here too, and it kind of is a similar idea here. So a small barn for Lee Rossi, and you get Eichelberry up, who's currently your leading rider um, on optional optimal tap here. Um, and this is another horse who just is bred to love the turf. And you look at this, so this optimizer, Sire's optimizer, English, son of English channel, out of a kitten's joy mare. So this is turf over turf debuts at Keeneland um, and runs fairly good, for, but for a barn that's 0 for 20. So it's not like we were at a great barn. We're debuting at Keeneland, goes to Indiana Grand, again, runs decent um, in two starts there. Now we're dropping in here. We're coming off a layoff. But I love the fact that this horse, this trainer is one for four, first time with the trainer with a $6.95 ROI. That's pretty darn good. Um, and you get Eichelberry. And the, the combination of those two things with a horse that's shown some talent to come from off the pace, on the turf, against much better, I think the ten's interesting here, and, and I'm, I again, I think the nine and ten both float up from eight to one and six to one. So I, I'm willing to take a shot with these two against you know a horse on the inside that has the, the the one horse here. His best buyer over the turf is a what a sixty nine, but that was going a mile and three eighths at Belmont, right? Where, <laughs> yeah, where he we're not third. counting that one. Yeah, and then he runs, he comes back and runs a forty three at Saratoga, going a mile and three sixteenths. Like the, that Remington race is to me the best comp where he runs a sixty two going a mile. Well, you know what, like. 62 buyer the four has been within two of that the five has beaten that three times the ten the six has been within three of that multiple times uh the nine has beaten that once and the ten has been within the four four points of that if there's a bunch of forces here that are all about the same 
And one of them is going to go way shorter, go off way shorter odds. And the, the rest are going to go off at a much bigger number because of connections. Uh, I agree with you on all points. I love the fact if you look at this, Pletcher gets him for two starts on dirt, checks him off. Uh, they send him to Maker, and Maker immediately goes, this some bitch going to go three turns on turf. Like, yeah. Mike, no, no, he's a dirt. No, we're going three turns on the turf, god damn it. And it um, didn't work out. I don't know why I made him sound like that. but I'm surprised he didn't win based on how Saratoga went. I mean, the horse should have won by five, right? That's true, yeah. He probably, you know what? I think those other two that beat him, I think both of those are, are Maker dreams too. Um, yeah. I did use him defensively, and I hate myself for it. I really don't like it. Boo. <laughs> yes, I'll take that. I deserve the booze. Listen, here's the thing. Uh, Asmus, I cannot ignore the fact that Asmussen claimed him with his own money from a Keeneland race. And then, uh, my son's home. I don't know if you can hear that. <laughs> but he runs <laughs> him back. Me too. Uh, yeah, he's booing me too back. You're right. Uh, he runs him back protected, albeit it's at Remington Park. But he does run him back protected, and he tried putting him on the turf. It didn't work out, but it did produce his best figure on the dirt to date. So that tells me, all right, Asmussen's already improving this horse. Then he nearly wins on turf, gets that 62 buyer. I don't really care that it's against 25K claimers because this isn't a really rock-solid field. To me, there isn't a huge difference between what he's facing there and what he's going to be facing against these, these horses. I think he's going to be overbet. I'm with you. But the thing is, Asmussen doesn't screw around with the horses that he owns, right? These are, these are like toys for him, right? These are fun toys. He goes, I'm going to just win races, so I'm going to put you where I think you're going to win. And he gilded the horse to boot. So why, I'm going to use him, and I really hope that we get like the nine home at like 10 to 1 instead. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I just, I, I, I hate the defensive use when you know the horse is going to be sub two to one. That's my biggest issue with it. If you don't love the horse, don't use the horse as sub two to one. But I like winning money. That's the other problem. Well, if you like winning money, not using the horse at sub two to one over the long run is the significantly better decision here. <laughs> A good decision was uh, was investing in these cute little Miller highlights. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> That's going to do it for the Magic Mike Show. Thanks for joining Mike and I to go through uh, Sam Houston's Saturday Late Pick 4 sequence. Uh, if you're watching us live or the replay on YouTube, thanks for joining us. Take a look below. Our tickets are here. Uh, it's been a fun show, so hopefully the uh, the lightheartedness was a little fun for you guys because I think Mike and I needed it. Uh, we'll give out our tickets one last time. I will start going 1-3 one, with 1-1-A, one, one, 5-8. With two four eight, with one four five nine, that's thirty six dollars for fifty cents. And Mike, you have two tickets. Start with the fifty center. Yeah, I got a cheap fifty center here, so I played a five dollars. Well, I'm gonna go with one with one a three four six seven with two four eight with four five nine ten. They'll cost you thirty bucks for fifty cents. I'm gonna follow it up with a five dollar ticket. Go one with four six with eight with four. That'll cost you ten bucks for five dollars. Forty dollars total investment for me. Boy, we're agreeing. Even your press ticket, we're agreeing on three of those four legs, and I got to go back and look at that second one, see what. Uh, yeah, you picked the wrong speed horses in the second leg. The five and the eight aren't wiring this field, and they have no chance to win if they don't get the lead. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, if you watched Dudes Who Bet Sports earlier, uh, Papa Dude's rant kind of came out of nowhere. He went off about Betty White and how much he loves Betty White. And it was a good, like, six-minute rant. So Aaron wants to know, Mike, what are your thoughts on Betty White? Uh, she's incredible. I had a friend in L.A. who was obsessed with Golden Girls and Betty White specifically. So I got a lot of Betty White comedy and things. Uh, she was, she was like, sharp as a tack, even as she got older and older. She's hilarious. So, yeah, I'm, I'm a fan of Betty White. I uh, would have loved to have her around a little bit longer. Yeah, yeah, but uh, his Papa Dude's big rant was that he didn't like that. Everybody was like, oh, it's tragic that she died. He's like, she's 99, goddammit. She almost made it to 100. How was that tragic? I'm like, well, that's that's a good point. I mean, it's sad that she's gone, but she did have a good life. Um, <laughs> we'll see Magic drunk capping Sam Houston tonight. Uh, shoot, that could be a fun segment. Not like me specifically, but if we all just were like, we do a shot, 
and then we do a race, then we do a shot, and we do a race, and then we just do that for like you know a pick five or something, like live on air. Yeah, you game for that. I mean, I would I'd be fine with it. Aaron would be under the table before we'd be even drunk. I mean, that's the problem. That's true. Uh, <laughs> it's been a lot of fun uh, covering Sam Houston. Thank you, everybody, uh, for joining us, Mike. I was originally going to wear my my LA Rams jersey, but uh, I felt like that would be the first time I think I've worn it all season, so I didn't want to seem like a poser. So I'll wear it uh, when they win after this weekend. But let's talk about a little NFL if you are ready to do that. Uh, is it, I guess, what is the game you're most looking forward to from the NFL playoff slate? I mean, from a betting perspective or from a rooting perspective? But let's go betting. That We care about money here. Uh, I am excited to bet Tennessee Titans against the Cincinnati Bengals. I think that that last effort from the Bengals is a little overrated. Look, I, I think Joe Burrow is an absolute stud. I think he's incredible. I think Chase is an absolute stud. I think he's incredible. I think Tennessee should be laying a lot more than three and a half in this spot. You get it at three some places, I, and I I've already have it at three. Um, I would take it at three and a half again. If it goes back to three on game day, I would take it. Look, we like you go back and you watch that game. The, I think the Bengals are kind of lucky to win. The Raiders kicked a lot of field goals in that game. The Bengals, the, the Titans have like sneaky good talent when you have everybody healthy. And guess what? Everyone is back at healthy. Their defense is not bad. They can rush the passer with four. They can get to Burrow. Like, I, look, I, I just. In this spot, I think you have a Cincinnati team who is now happy to be there versus a Tennessee team who sees this as an opportunity to really show up and show out. And I like, you know, everyone's talking about how good Chase is. People forget how good AJ Brown is, man. I mean, he is a spectacular receiver out there for Tannehill. You've got a more, you've got a veteran team versus a team that's just kind of less experienced, specifically in the playoffs. Um, so for me, I, I'm going to go with the Titans there as the game that I'm most excited about. I think they jump on them early and, and just kind of pound them into submission. I think that Cincinnati has had a wonderful year. Uh, things are looking up. Joe Burrows, people are calling it the greatest two-year turnaround in history, which is stupid, but uh, they were saying that, and I think I'm with you. I think this is the point where we have officially peaked for the Bengals, and now they need to come back down to earth, and the Tennessee Titans will do that at home. Uh, San Francisco at Green Bay is an interesting matchup. L.A. at Tampa, that's what I want you to We'll talk about these two because they're, the, they're on the header for a reason. you got Mahomes versus Buffalo. you got Brady versus the Rams. Let's focus on Brady and the Rams. Uh, what do you think about this matchup? Ah, uh, man, look, here's the thing. Last week we saw the Rams be able to run the ball, and that's what set it up for for uh, your boy Matthew Stafford to be able to attack through the air. Guess what the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers do not allow? People to run the ball. Vita Vea is a fat man who is also very athletic and fast up the middle. He makes it very hard to move anyone around. On top of that, you have uh, uh, Devontae White who came back. You've got their two stud linebackers and David and White who can chase people from sideline to sideline. I don't think the Rams have success running the ball. And if the Rams can't run the ball, I think they're in trouble. Now, I also think Tampa's in a little trouble on the offensive side. This is the first time we will see them without all of these weapons against a defense that is able to put pressure on Brady. And you have multiple injuries up front for Tampa on the offensive line with both Wurst and Jensen, who were out last game. Wurst probably out this game. He was in a walking boot on Tuesday. Jensen's going to play, but it's a little hampered. I think the under here is probably the best play, um, but I also would lean toward the Buccaneers. I think that they're going to be able to get the job done. I, I'm interested in the – I don't know what the Rams team total under is, but that would be another one. I would also take, I would also take the under on Akers rushing yards props because I don't think that Akers is going to be able to run the ball, and I think his rushing props will go back to what they were originally at the start of the season because he looked very good when he coming back in that last game. I think it was just the right setup for him versus you know to this game where Tampa's very good against the run. So if you guys are watching on YouTube or Facebook, we really appreciate it. What you're seeing here is bracingnews.com slash sports. If you didn't know, Aaron and Papa Dude have been working very hard to build up our sports side here, especially with the NFL picks. So, excuse me, what I'm sharing on the screen here is you can see Papa Dude's really full in-depth breakdown. And for someone like me, who I've admitted all year, I'm not really paying attention to the NFL very peripherally, 
I can read Papa Dude's articles and go place bets, and I've actually had a positive ROI doing it. Just from reading his articles off of this, uh, I don't always necessarily go the way that he does, but he explains things out. So where someone like me, who you were like, what doesn't Tampa do? I'm like, I don't know, stick their fingers up their ass? Like you were like, oh, yeah, they don't allow people to rush the ball. Okay, great. Uh, if I didn't have you as a podcast co-host, I could look at this article. So it's really great uh, and really helpful. Uh, the big one that I'm sure most of the Racing Dudes team really does care about Especially after all of us are on Tennessee, which means Cincinnati's going to be winning straight up. Uh, we're not going to we're not, we're not talk about the the San Francisco Green Bay game. We'll get there. I want to oh, okay. talk about Buffalo, Kansas City. This is what right. I'm really because because I know Jared Jared's going to sign off after this, and he's really been waiting patiently for us to talk about his Kansas City <laughs> Chiefs and his boy. So uh, talk to me about Buffalo at Kansas City. What do you see? This is going to be a fun game, man. If you ask me what game I was most excited to watch, it's easily this game. I mean, this is probably the best two teams left in the entire bracket that are going to face off here. Some people from Green Bay are probably going to be angry at me for saying that, but I think that Buffalo and Kansas City are the best two teams left in the tournament right now. Um, this is interesting, man, because, look, let's say Buffalo wins last week and the score was 24-21. What's the line? Probably a lot closer, right? I bet KC is minus four. Like you're 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 seeing a significant difference, and just because the Patriots are terrible and are much worse than yeah. we expected, and they rolled them, I think that's why this line is two. Look, I think Kansas City is still the deserving favorite in this spot. The Bills are going into Arrowhead against a defense that is much improved compared to what they faced in Week Five. They got I think three of their four defensive linemen back for this game that they didn't have in Week Five. I think it's going to be much much more difficult. For, for Buffalo to be able to do what they did on offense against Kansas City. And on top of that, Kansas City's offense is significantly better than it was in week five. I also love me some Jared McKinnon, man. He just fits this offense really, really well. I liked him when he was in San Francisco, never really got a chance, had a bunch of injuries. Liked him when he was in Minnesota, never really got a chance, had a bunch of injuries. He is excellent at the screen game, and he is faster than anyone else that they've had at running back in a minute. And I think those two are, those are two huge factors here because he's able to get yards in open space that – Charlotte, that Edwards Blair just couldn't get. So I'm going to lead towards Kansas City here. I think they're going to win this game. I think they're going to move on. Um, this is one that I think is going to be really interesting, too, because it's like I almost want to play KC first half, but it seems like that's really not smart because of how KC has started so many of these games. And even last year against Buffalo in the conference championship game, Buffalo jumped out to a 7-0 lead before Casey annihilated them. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens here. I think this is the game I'm most excited for because Josh Allen has progressed so much in the last two years from going from a complete zero to a complete hero here uh, to the point where people are comparing him to Mahomes. And, like, who would you rather have for the next 10 years, Mahomes or Allen? I think Mahomes kind of makes a statement this game improves why he's the one that you should rather have. He said, guys, I literally just won the Super Bowl and brought us to the Super Bowl again last year. Like, are you going to forget about yeah. me because something new and shiny came in? Uh, and it's nice to see that Papa Dude understands that if he wants to stay employed, you keep telling people, bet the Chiefs, they're going <laughs> to win the game. Uh, down to minus one and a half, at least when he's writing this one. So uh, that'll, be, like a, that'll be two and a half by game time. If you like Kansas City, yeah. You, well, look at this. Look, here's what's going to happen. The public bets on Saturday and Sunday, okay? Right. And this is going to become the get-out game everyone's going to bet on Kansas City in this spot because all, well, all the public bettors will line up to bet on Kansas City in this spot. So I think that if you like Buffalo, you wait, especially if you're going to bet a money line. If you like Kansas City, you bet now and, and you don't get caught with a nice two and a half, minus three get, um, game day. All right, the game you wanted to bring up, let's see. Will this be Aaron Rodgers' final game as a Green Bay Packer, San Francisco at Green Bay? What do you think? This one's super interesting to me. It really is because like 
I, I understand all the Green Bay love. They've been great. This is the worst matchup of the of any team left for Green Bay specifically. Green Bay struggles at stopping the run. This is the best run offense that you have left. You got Debo, who's been able to figure out how to run it here. Uh, I, I think that you've got kind of a two headed monster that can keep Aaron Rodgers off the field, and San Francisco is just more physical. Now, the fact that you have two key defensive players out, specifically Bosa, who I think is is more important than Warner from that perspective, because you need to rush Aaron Rodgers, but. Those two are so important. We need to, if Warner and Bosa come back, I'm going to be on the Niners here. Um, I'm probably going to have some money line on the Niners anyway. Last time these two teams faced, the Niners ran all over them. Bosa ran for like four touchdowns, I think it was. Uh, He's just ran for another again. I mean, it's just been crazy how many times, how how much San Francisco has owned Green Bay in this matchup. So I'm going to kind of keep with that theme. I'm taking, as long as we get some good positive health reports from the Niners defense, I would take the Niners in the points here. See what we got in the chat. Uh, Dennis says weather is going to impact a lot because San Francisco isn't a cold city. Well, actually, San Francisco is pretty cold. If you've actually been there, San Francisco is the uh, is the, the coldest time of year is the summer there. Uh, Dallas wasn't cold. Going to 90-degree weather is going to have an impact. I agree about that. What time is the kickoff? Is 7.15? Okay. Um, yeah, sometimes I look at that, too, to figure out if they're going to be going to, uh, you know, you got the West Coast to East Coast. But if we're playing at 7.15 on Saturday, then, yeah, I don't think that's an issue. Or 8.15. Well, it's, it's going to be awfully cold, um, and, and it's going to be a loud, raucous environment. But the team that can run the ball better also has an advantage in the cold. And to me, that's clearly San Francisco in this spot. Do you know what the uh, – oh, wait, we got an update on, on Aaron Rodgers' uh, injury here. Listen, I'm a toe expert. Um, <laughs> let's just say this. There ain't nothing wrong with Aaron Rodgers. He threw for 350 yards and four touchdowns. Come on. Hey, all right. Rex is there to tell us Aaron Rodgers is fine. The toe expert has weighed in. Rex, we appreciate it, but thanks. Hey, listen, I'm all for Green Bay in this spot. I hope they get it done. I, I, I just, I, I look. I'm just excited because we have four exceptional games here. It kind of stacked up well, where you have, I think, the best, the most fun matchup in San Francisco and Green Bay. You've got the two. Probably the two worst teams left in Tennessee and Cincinnati getting to play each other. Um, yeah, that is the problem. The secondary is not great. So that's why it's important you have Bosa out there. So you can hopefully take a little bit of that pressure off. Um, and you're going to double team Adams. Like, that's the other part of this. So it's going to have to be Lazard that beats them. And so Lazard yards, Lazard anytime touchdown, probably not a bad play if you like. Uh, if you think Green Bay is going to get the job done. Then you have the amazing game in that Bills game. And the Rams-Bucks is interesting. Like, this is four interesting, good games. You could have four games come down to the wire. I think this is going to be a fun weekend of football. It's going to be, I'm excited for it. Uh, I didn't really care that much about last week because I, I really expected that uh, the Steelers were going to lose and Roethlisberger was going to, you know, that was how he was retired. And it, it happened a lot worse than I even thought. But uh, uh, Michael says, anyone like my plus 650 Josh Allen to throw the most passing yards against Patrick Mahomes? If, is there a scenario, Mike, where Kansas City gets up early and then they go into run mode and Buffalo has to try and air it out? Yeah, of course. I mean, uh, that could definitely happen. I, I One of the bets that I think is kind of interesting, you can get uh, 35 to 1 that Josh Allen has the most rushing yards in the playoffs. Total playoffs. Oh, that's um, for the total playoffs. I missed yeah. that part. Got it. Yeah. So, it, um, look, you have to pick any of these playoff bets. You have to pick teams that played in the wild card round, right? Because, like, taking Aaron Rodgers for most passing yards in the playoffs when he has one less game than – Mahomes or Allen, that's that's tough to make up, right? Because you're you're probably not going to see that type of of dominance. Um, I, I, look, I think that's fun. The sixth, look, whoever you like in the Bills Chiefs game is probably the one that you want for most passing yards because it's not going to be Tannehill. You know, it's it, Burrow is a possibility, I guess, but he would have to win the Super Bowl, which ain't happening. Uh, so really, the the people you're looking at are Brady and the winner of this game. That's pretty much it. So if 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 you can get both of both Mahomes and 
Allen at plus money, that might be a, a fun thing to do. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, make sure you're following us on Twitter, especially the racing dudes, because uh, Jared, no matter what happens during the Chiefs game, you will hear from Jared. So they're at racing underscore dudes. I am at Curtis Coward, and he is at some of them, 18, number one, number eight. Thank you, everybody, for spending this uh, afternoon with us. Really appreciate it. Uh, Sam Houston has a low 12% pick four takeout. Forgot to talk about that at the beginning of the show, but the big reason we love Sam Houston, 12% takeout, not just the pick four, the pick five, the pick six, everything. So Really want to support the tracks that make things better for us as the horse players. So thank you for joining us. Uh, you will be back on Monday. We'll be talking about uh, everything that happened this weekend. And I'm sure Mike and I will have another pick four that we will uh, put together. But until then, I'm Magic. And I'm Mike. Good luck this weekend. May all your bets be winning ones. Unless you bet against the Chiefs, then I hope you lose. Sorry. The Magic Mike Show. Where you hear the experts speak. The Magic Mike Show. Tune into the show every week. The Magic Mike Show. You can trust the show is the bomb. Because it's being brought to you by RacingDudes.com. But I like winning money. That's the other problem.